You're listening to That Church Podcast with Justin Dean and Van Baird. Conversations about digital media and the church. Join our community online at thatchurch.community. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. It's just going to be me. Justin had something come up uh, family-wise, so it is uh, all mine to drive today. And I'm fortunate to be spending some time with Sean Wood. Sean is the pastor of Freedom Church in the major metropolis city of Monk's Corner, That's South right. Carolina, which is, if uh, for those of you who don't know, right outside Charleston, South Carolina, which is one of the greatest cities ever uh, in the earth. So, Sean, thanks for joining us today, man. It's good to see you. Awesome. Yeah, and absolutely. And you may not even be aware of this, but also there is a Mutt's Corner Mafia. Uh, we have <laughs> the place. In fact, uh, myself and Stephen Furtick, Pastor Stephen there, claim uh, to be the president. And I'll, I'll take vice president. I'll take that, whatever, of, of the Mutt's Corner Mafia. But uh, and, uh, so we, Mutt's Corner is famous in the church world. Famous. Now that fits. That look Stephen's got rocking right now fits the mafia, like the modern day mafia. So that that just fits. <laughs> so, well, we're, we're super excited to get you on just because this is one of those connections that we made just through that church conference and Justin Dean and, and I and, and running in those circles and your name kept popping up um, all over the place. And so Justin spent some time with you and we get, we've had this scheduled for quite a while. Um, and so we're glad to finally get you on because yours, even though you're in a lead pastor role, which congratulations, you're the first lead pastor we've had on the show. Everybody else has been in that comms world or the digital or the PR or something like that. But you've got that background um, in the communications world. So why don't you kind of fill us in a little bit of personal bio, but then your background in the church and how you got to be where you are today. Absolutely. I, um, I've had the, I've, I've really had the honor and privilege of carrying a lot of different roles and wearing a lot of different hats in, in the church world. And I, I honestly think that, uh, it makes me a better lead pastor to have sat in those. But, uh, my wife and I have been married for a little over 20 years and, uh, we currently have five children and you probably wonder why we would say currently as because we do foster care. And so we kind of rotate from, from four to five. Um, and they ask us every now and then to even take more than five, but, uh, we, we, we usually stick around five kids and we have five right now. Uh, we've been, uh, like I said, married for 20, over 20 years and I've been in ministry for over 20 years and started in youth ministry and children's ministry and did a couple things there. Uh, and then ended up actually taking a, a role at Seacoast church, um, about 15 years ago, a little over 15 years ago, and went, went on staff there in their high school department, but very quickly kind of, uh, that was right at the time when um, there, was, there wasn't really communications, and you know, you, nobody was doing communications in church. At the right. Time. Tech was really just starting to kind of take off. I know it's hard for those who are believing to even, or watching to even believe, but I mean, we were just really getting good at email and stuff in the church world at that point. And, and anything what we've done in the last, you know, 15 years, but we quickly saw that, that someone who kind of had a little bit of an understanding of communication, uh, uh verbally and, and written communication, uh, and also a little bit in the tech world and just kind of understood a little bit needed to take a role there. And so I transitioned into what we called our, uh, experiences pastor. And so any way that you would, you know, feel, touch, smell, experience, uh, Seacoast sort of fell underneath uh, my role. And so that was a uh, weekend. Uh, you know, obviously you're going to experience uh, God and experience Seacoast on the weekend. 
and then also web, uh, which was working with our IT department, but also our, our communications design, all those different things uh, to create a web experience uh, for people. And then word of mouth, which was our uh kind of, you know, marketing and how do you get the word out? And we knew that word of mouth was the greatest way that people ex- kind of came to experience Seacoast. And so everything we wanted to kind of push towards, you know, creating a word of mouth experience. And so I started overseeing that in addition to still kind of having my hand in high school, middle school ministry. And it was kind of a too big of a role. So eventually gave up high school, middle school ministry to my friend, Ernest Smith, who's a great pastor in Colorado right now, front range church that you guys need to check out. It's growing amazingly in Colorado. And, uh, but anyway, transitioned to that role. And then because of Seacoast and multi-site and just the growth that we had and becoming uh, a very influential church, honestly, uh, in the multi-site world, I got a chance to start rub shoulders, rubbing shoulders with communications folks and quickly figured out that I wasn't a real communications person. Like I, I didn't know some of the marketing background that they knew. I certainly didn't have the tech experience that a lot of those guys had, but I learned the language. I learned um, how it all worked and really, you know, was able to lead and speak the language of those teams at our church. And uh, so got a chance to speak at some of the conferences and uh, because of that, write a couple books and uh, really been honored to be a part of that world and, and really accepted into the communications world, even though I was the kind of the lead pastor type over here on the corner. But I think that's been helpful to have uh, lived in that world, to be in the world that I'm in, to have been teaching and preaching at Seacoast at the same time and sort of bridging a lot of those gaps. I, I often say I was a, uh, a novice of all expert of nothing, but really learn the language of all of that stuff. So, uh, so I feel like I understand at least a little bit about the pain uh, that the communications uh, side of the world experiences and the tech side of the world experiences. Yeah. The, unfortunately, there is still some pain there, but your story back then, and you mentioned that was 15 years ago, actually resonates probably with some today that just kind of get handed that role, even though that wasn't their background. Yours was in yeah. youth ministry. Um, but, you know, I think the church is finally waking up to the fact that that really does need to be something that you have one person or one team concentrating on. So you've got a really great perspective having that background. And now as you've transitioned to Freedom Church, how is that um challenged you as a lead pastor now to make sure that you have that kind of team in place and what kind of things do y'all do at Freedom Church? Yeah, so we, uh, you know, we, we decided early on, obviously, as in planting a church, then 10 years later, 2011 is when we planted, the world had changed already, and the church world certainly had changed. Um, we knew that we had to have uh, a plan in place uh, for communications. And uh, so early on, I mean, we had things like style guides that, I mean, 15 years ago, I'm sure corporations knew those existed, but we didn't know they existed at, uh, at, at Seacoast back then. And we, we started developing that stuff. But we had that early on. We had branding plan, you know, early on. Uh, we knew to attack at this point, and I still think it's the case, is that at least in our demographic, that Facebook was so important that we needed to have a Facebook presence and that everybody's there. And, and uh, we knew that we needed to have a website that was more than a static kind of website, that it needed to, to have a flow to it. And so the things that we needed, that we knew about that probably, honestly, if I had never dipped into that world, had known, would have known they existed, but wouldn't have known the people to help us make those happen and the type of people we're looking for. And so we were very, very blessed to, to run across a guy um, who understands a lot of that, who is a graphic artist, but also a musician. And uh, early on, we just said, Hey, why don't you, why don't you take a load 
uh, and carry the load of our communications department. So Alex Moore uh, does yeah. that. You, you can find him on uh, all of the social uh, areas, but he is uh, he just does a great job of keeping us uh, up to date in that. And uh, honestly, now as we were starting this, uh, you you know you mentioned uh, opening up GarageBand and doing something. I used to be the guy at Seacoast who all who knew like how to do all that stuff, and I was up on all that stuff. And now, quite frankly, uh, you know, six months goes by and you don't keep yourself up to date, you won't know a lot of things. And so That's I told true. you, never actually opened GarageBand. I'm a Mac guy. I'm an app. I'm you know I'm that guy, but I don't think I've ever opened it before. Uh, but but Alex is he, he knows uh, he's up to date and keeps us up to date. And so uh, we we really uh, used uh, our social platforms. Um, for the most part, to, to be our, our sort of marketing engine um, and keeping up to date on how they work and how uh, Facebook will change things and Instagram will change things and uh, Twitter will change things uh, as far as how we can do the, the things we need to do. But we've, we sort of use that as our, our uh, we don't do a lot of printed media. I mean, we've stayed in the social uh, world to, to grow a church and we're a church of a thousand people in a town of, you, you know, Van of where, where Mutt's Corner is of about 8,000 people. Uh, and we're, we're, we're close to Charleston, but you got to drive here to come and draw. I mean, you're not, not, not a lot of people come here. We go there, you know, that's right. how it works. And so I think we've done a good job of getting the word out and, uh, and sort of ex- people experiencing our church on the social, social channels. So, well, that's good. I mean, that's and refreshing because, you know, we, we do hear a lot from a lot of churches that say, hey, can y'all give us some feedback on these brochures? And, you know, so depending on the church and the age of the church and, and where it is, you know, that's really a need. And but for one that's a little bit more in, in this century that has you know people that are searching um, the digital space is, is, is so key. So and, and you're pretty unique. And you and I didn't talk about this ahead of time, but we did stumble across. You're actually using a digital platform that I don't know how many pastors have been in that space. But you've currently got a Kickstarter going yeah. on for a book. And the book is is. I mean, who wouldn't want these stories, but you're a storyteller. Tell us about the book and about the Kickstarter, and then we'll make sure we point people to the URL in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I have got two books that were published in the traditional space. Um, you know, publisher comes, they give you an advance, you write the book, they promote it, you get uh, 32 cents per book or something like that, you know, that kind of deal. And that's the traditional space. They do all the marketing, supposedly, all those kind of things. Well, what I found is, is that... Um, in the new space, I mean, it's, there's, and, and this might get me in trouble with my publishing friends, but I can't figure out any good reason why someone in the medium market would, would use a publisher anymore. Um, now there's a couple of guys out there that they need to use publishers. They're going to get, you know, they're going to get the exposure, but the type of exposure that a publisher can, can get for you. If you've got any kind of platform whatsoever, you're going to get that plus more just by doing it yourself. And so we decided with Kickstarter to, uh, to just, uh, try and just raise enough initial funds that would be able to print some books, basically is what we're trying to do there. And then we would do all of the marketing, all of the work uh, ourselves and just see how that goes. And so uh, this will be my fourth book. I've done one uh, that was co-writing uh, that we uh, kind of did for especially a niche market of people who have uh, really, you know, people who have experienced loss of a child. And I co-authored with an, a, a woman, a friend of mine who had lost a child. Uh, and and it's been a great book and a resource to, uh, 
uh, uh, people who have gone through that and for pastors to have to hand out. It's called In the Stillness, and you can get that on Amazon.com. And Renee Green is the really the storyteller and the author of that. I just helped her. And, and we saw that, though, you can, you can get your book out. I mean, it's what we basically saw. So with Kickstarter, we're doing that. Uh, the Colors of Hope is the name of the book and really is out of a sermon series that I preached and, and want to get that book uh, out there because we thought that the sermon series really kind of hit some stuff and we, we felt like it was very successful as far as kind of tapping into what a lot of people were feeling and what a lot of people needed to hear mm-hmm. and uh, just presenting the the miracles that Jesus did in people's lives. We, they were on like a canvas of pain and hurt, uh, but with colors of hope, he, he painted a completely different picture for their life. So, uh, so yeah, so it'd be interesting to see how the Kickstarter goes and uh, you know, six months from now, I may, I may be going, okay, I see what publishers do now and I won't right. get back into that space. But I think for, for a guy like me, who's, Probably going to you know see five thousand to ten thousand books uh, you know sold or, or got out there. I really think it's an interesting world that we live in, where you really can become your own publisher, your own marketer, and you're going to do that anyway. I mean, you're, you're, if nobody's selling your books for you, so if anybody's out there thinking if I could just get that publisher to sell my books for me and do all the work for me, I would just give them a manuscript and then they would sell a million books for me. It ain't how it happens. That, right. That's not how it happens. The publisher is looking for people that can already sell all of those books for them. Right. And, you know, that, that's how that works. So, so don't have those visions of grandeur. Get out there and do hard work and produce your book. And it's your book. It's your stuff. So do it yourself. So that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. And in this day and age, everything's accessible. There's really nothing you can't learn how to do um, via the Internet anymore. My, one of my favorite sites is Let Me Google That For You. Yeah. Um, it's so fun to send that to certain people that ask really broad questions that are pretty um, easily answered. Um, yeah. But for people that are listening, if you want to just go to Kickstarter and you can search Colors of Hope book. Do y'all have a, a vanity URL for the Kickstarter or no? No, we don't. I don't okay. think so. We might, but I don't think so. Okay. So it'll, it'll come up. And uh, as of this recording, there were just plenty of time. So I think this will go up um, on the video site um, by the end of the week, but certainly by next Tuesday, we'll have the audio version up. And so that'll still leave over 30 days left to contribute. Um, it's, it, I mean, I've seen a lot bigger asks on Kickstarter. It's a thousand dollars and you're almost halfway there. So yeah. it would be cool if our listeners and our community could play a part. Uh, and helping you reach that goal. So we'll yeah, we've got some stretch out. goals that we hope to do a couple cool things with. Uh, but uh, just to get the initial books printed, we did. We uh, yeah, we we wanted to be the most honest Kickstarter ever. That's what yeah. it really will cost us to do what we want to do. You know, so yeah. you don't need a million dollars to produce this book. Plus, we're not going to get a million dollars. So, well, when you're done with it, um, and I'll segue to this. Maybe you can write a blog post about it on your page, which is seanwood.org, seanwood.org. Um, and so, tell us why you've got the website and why that platform's important to you as a pastor and somebody who's speaking in the digital space. Yeah, and I mean, I, you know, I honestly don't use that enough and don't, don't really build that platform enough. Cause, uh, and what I usually do is I write something on Facebook and then I go end up rewriting it and putting it over there on the blog. Yep. Cause what I have found for me as, as a lead pastor, at least, and, and I've got a very, I've got two different audiences, but my biggest audience is the people who live in Berkeley County who I trying to, you know, live out our, our, uh, you know, help people find freedom in Christ. That's what we want to do. And so, um, I don't have a huge, uh, I guess calling or whatever to build a platform beyond that, that much. And so mainly what I write is for people that I know are here in Berkeley County. And if it helps people in other spaces, I'm glad it does. And that's what the digital world gives us a chance to do. Um, so I have found that the, the, I mean, I wrote a, I wrote a, uh, a post the other day on my Facebook uh, fan page and 
Uh, it was about just an experience I had with one of my foster kids who has gone through some really hard places. I mean, he comes from super, super hard. Until he was three years old, he never got out of a playpen. He was in a playpen morning, night, all the time. They fed him in the playpen, everything. And just some of the one experience I had with him of laying down on the floor in Arby's, trying to just speak gently to him about a fear he was having at a, in a moment that, that – comes from a hard place. It was for a real reason. Four years old, just poor little kid. And I wrote about it in just, you know, three or four, you know, blog post style, three or four paragraphs. And over 30,000 people have mm. seen that uh, post because it was shared. If I would have put that on my blog, just quite frankly, probably two to 300 people would have seen it at the right. most, at the absolute most. And so um, I've just learned that if I want something to be seen, where my people are is on Facebook and where they'll share it is on Facebook. Mm. And so I actually just sort of mimic that there. So I try to use Facebook to do a couple of different things. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to post inspirational things that just inspire people that go to my church that are, that I know are going through hard things. And so just a verse of scripture, uh, you know, attached with a picture that maybe will help them to remember it. Um, a little snippet from my life, um, a little snippet from my sermon, uh, just kind of posting those things on a regular basis to try and encourage people. And so that's one of my, I guess one of my goals in life is to be an encourager and to, to help people, you know, feel encouraged. We say when you leave Freedom Church, we help you feel good. We're a feel-good church. We claim that we want to be a feel-good church. And uh, that's a lot of people say that uh, negatively about us. And we actually had that said negatively about us, like they're a feel-good church. And we were like, we are. We are a feel-good. We feel good about the past. That's grace. We feel good about the present. That's contentment. And we feel good about the future. That's hope. And so we are a mm -hmm. church. And so that's what I hope to do on Facebook. I figure if I have a calling as a pastor, um, I shouldn't have a different calling on Facebook. I shouldn't have a different calling on my blog. Um, I'm not trying to build a platform uh, to do anything else, but, but help people uh, find freedom in Christ. So, so that's kind of what I do there. I, I'm not great at it. I'll just be really, really honest. I could be a lot better at it. Mm. Uh, but I figure I do what I can do and, and try to get it into those uh, spaces that I can. And hopefully it helps. It helps hopefully help some people. Well, there's a good word there and I'll circle back around on it, but um, we'll certainly find that post about your son, your foster son, and share that in the show notes as well. And you can follow Sean on Facebook. It's at Sean.wood. Um, I love that Facebook now makes it really easy to find pages that way. Um, so you can just search that and follow Sean on there. And, but you mentioned that, you know, you focus on, on Berkeley and the people around there. And I think as a church and as a digital community, we, we see that we can, we can reach millions of people and that's a really good insight. And I think a really good uh, word to those that are listening to just stay focused on what you can make a difference in. And I know as you know, we, we feel the need to, to be everywhere, but if you've got a good Facebook presence then then camp out there and, and do it really well and, and speak into that community instead of, Hey, let's, let's reach the world, which, you know, is, is admirable. But if your world is your backyard and there's so many people there that you can reach, that's a really good word and a, and a really good uh, challenge for some people that are listening. So appreciate yeah, that. I'm just, you know, from Seth Godin, uh, mind yeah. to my mouth right now, but I just decided to be the best in the world at what I do. Yeah. And then I, but I, then I took the hard work of narrowing down what really is my world. What we're, and, and coming from Seacoast, um, uh, you know, in a mega church, people want you to come speak at the conferences. They want you to do stuff and you can begin to think inside that that's your world. And, uh, and, and for some people it is, don't get me wrong. It is. But for me in a church of, you know, a smaller church, church plant, I mean, nobody's calling me, asking me, hey, will you come headline uh, the, the uh, Catalyst Conference? Or will you come do this? Will you come do that? And so it was really a good chance for me to go, so where, where, where can I really be the best in the world? And if God uses 
you know, other venues and gets me in other places to be able to, to say the same things. And that's great. Um, but I know he's called me to reach Berkeley County. We have, we have a huge, uh, you know, kind of vision that we believe that this County can, can be changed. So that's where, where we've kind of camped out. And, and I love it that in Facebook, I can say, Hey, help me reach people in Berkeley County. Help me reach the people that are friends with the people that are fr- already liking our church and already a part of our church. And so give some stuff where it's not so, um, you know, you, you don't feel like you're, you're just sending stuff out for everybody. You can kind of granular it down, which I like to be able to do. Which is, is, which is so affirming for, for so many people. And that's, that's really challenging. So um, thanks for that. And it does kind of segue again really well to just this topic that, that you want to share with our listeners. Mm-hmm. And, and this will be unique. If you're listening to this on the podcast, we're actually going to have a visual component um, because this is a video recording. We're doing this on Zoom. Um, with me in Atlanta and Sean in Monk's Corner. Um, but you've, you've learned over the years and going back to your days at Seacoast and just the challenges of working with a team, working with leadership um, and feeling overwhelmed. Because if you're sitting in that, whether it's a church comms title or social media title or digital title at your church, you, you are wearing a lot of hats inevitably and people are coming at you for different things. And, and so the ability to delegate is so key, not just in, in your role as a lead pastor, but really any role ever where you have responsibility, learning how to delegate can be so freeing to those that do it well and um, do it in a way that's uh, life giving and not demanding, if that makes sense. So can you kind of walk us through what your philosophy is um, from a delegation standpoint, how it could help people in this digital space? Yeah. And, and, and I'll say to those you know who are listening, like you said, I'm the first lead pastor to ever be on this role, but have that background is it really has helped me too, to, to remember what it was like um, to be on the deadline side of the equation. You know, the vision side of the equation is a different world. Hey, we should do this. Hey, we should, we should create this. Hey, we should do this team. We should all these things, you know, ideas, ideas, ideas. And a lot of times I have found that um, the communications and the comms and tech world gets a, it gets a reputation and probably a reputation, you know, rightly earned sometimes of being sort of a, a no, a no, we can't do that. Or no, we can't get there. Or that's not, that's not possible. You know, and there's, and, and so there's a lot of complaining and I've spoken into that before with, with, with being able to speak to comms people is how do how do you, you kind of, how do you, how do you do that? How do you become a yes person, but yet not, you know, promise the world and all those things. But being on the other side, I've realized the, 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 the vision side is different than the, than the get it done side. So for those of you who are listening right now, you're, you're a lot on the get it done side. I mean, there's somebody probably has had a vision for something and you're the one who's supposed to make it happen. And so you may have a large team of volunteers. You may have a large team of staff, wherever your context is, the church size, you may be a volunteer yourself and just trying to figure out how do I wear all these hats? How do I get this done? And I think for me it came, and I described earlier my three roles at Seacoast, and there came this spot where I had 13 staff that reported to me, um, Mm -hmm. three major areas that really encompassed in some way most of the church world. Not all of it. I wasn't deeply involved in finance, and I wasn't at the vision side of, of running the church. I wasn't on the executive team or anything like that, but I was at a place where everything sort of funneled through some area that I had something to do with. And and I remember coming to a place where I bet a lot of you who work in the comms world have been before, which is uh, this state of being overwhelmed, the state of feeling like there's more deadlines than there is calendar. I don't care how much I milestone this out. 
I don't care if I use Nosby or if I use Basecamp. I don't care what I use. There's just no way to get all this stuff done. How am I going to do it? And I had this weight on me where I realized I can't carry, I can't carry everything I'm carrying. And so the way my mind kind of thinks is I'm a David Allen fan. I'm a mind dump kind of guy. And so I just thought, okay, I'm a, and David Allen being um, getting things done. If, if yeah. those may not be familiar with that, but I just decided I'm going to mind up everything that I feel like my departments, my people who work for me um, are, are responsible for and tasks that we have to do. I'm going to mind up every single thing. And then I kind of went through that and said, okay, now I'm going to move over into another pile. Everything that's in here that I feel like I do, I'm responsible for, you know, that I have to get them done. And for me, and I would recommend this, I even added in personal stuff at this point because I was in a, I was at a precipice of like, you know, am I going to make it to the next day almost of like, I was right. overwhelmed. So I thought, all right, what do I do in my personal life? What do I have to get done? I just wrote down everything. And then I, mm. then I was sort of paralyzed at that point. Nobody uh, would be, I would think if they were honest with what they really have to do. That's overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and I realized too, that what I was doing was I was juggling a lot of different things. I was dropping a lot of things because I wasn't getting them done. And I was choosing to cheat, as Andy Stanley would say, in certain areas, but I was cheating on the wrong things. And so a lot of deadlines were being pushed. I was making excuses for my team in a lot of areas and going, hey, we didn't get that done, but we're going to need to push the, the deadline, or we just couldn't get that done. And now I was saying no to future things that probably were great things that we should be involved in because we were so under the, under the gun on other things. And so I finally looked at this list and said, but now how do I know what to delegate? What can I, what can I get rid of either from our team, um, from, our, from me personally? So I started with me personally, but eventually wanted to get to the team uh, because we, we were saying, okay, we're going to have to outsource some things. We have to get other people to do things. And outsourcing in your context may mean you can pay an artist. Outsourcing in your context may mean you recruit somebody who's a graphic artist full-time during the day that will do some stuff for you and your church because they love your church and want to be on the dream team. So you put it in your context. But I decided, how do you do this? And so what I'd like to show, and I'll try to describe it the best I can too, is uh, what I came to. And I feel like, I really feel like, not to over-spiritualize it, but I feel like God gave me this that day. And I've been able to share it with several teams and several churches along the way. And I think it's helpful. And so what I did is I just used uh, this sort of uh, idea of, um, you know, putting everything in this matrix. And so I, I just drew out a box and, and you'll be able to see the box here. And I put that box into four quadrants. Um, and I was going to divide everything in it. And I thought, of all of these things that I'm looking at, um, there are things that I really like to do. I, I really enjoy doing some of this stuff. Um, and, and, I could, and you could very easily identify that. There, were, there was a lot of things honestly, that if I'm just sitting there going, they stress me out and I don't like to do them. And there was that quadrant. Right. And then there on this bottom left-hand side, so that the top uh, right, or, you know, left-hand side was like and don't like on here. And you can see this in the show notes. I think we're going to share the JPEG. And then also over here is things that only I can do. And my handwriting is terrible, but only I can do. <laughs> Only I, these are things that only I can do. And, and then there are things that really anyone can do, or at least I would, if you didn't say anyone, someone else can do them. Like, so they're not things that only I can do. So, so then I said, okay, I gotta, I gotta put these into the place where, 
they sort of make sense to me and kind of, so I started going, going, okay, I like to do this, but um, there's someone else who can do it. And I would plot that thing there. And I like, I don't really like to do this and someone else can do it. And then I would go through all that whole list and I, I plotted and I literally took the painstaking time, several hours, really spent over several days of putting everything into these boxes. I don't like to do that. And, but only I can do it. And I don't like to do that, but someone else can do it. I like to do it and only I can do it. You know, that kind of thing. Right. So then what I saw is I saw, you know what the, the killer is for me. And I think that those of you who are joining us on the call right now, this would be the killer for you. In fact, when I teach this, I say, this is this thing that sucks the life out of you. And I always ask people to guess. And I won't ask anybody to guess right here because you can't talk back to me, but, but people always guess the wrong thing. The thing that sucks the life out of you are the things that you like to do, but someone else can do them. Right. And what I found is there was a whole lot of stuff that I was holding on to because honestly, I just like doing it, but someone else could be doing it. And it was sucking the life out of me because I had not delegated it. So the first step was to just delegate those things. And those are fairly easy things to get someone else to do. Um, we, we don't like to admit that because we like to kind of carry that burden ourselves. But if you can be really honest with yourself, you'll go, okay, if I really enjoy doing this, I bet there's other people who like doing it too. Mm-hmm. So those were easy to give away. Then there was stuff that I liked to do, uh, or I don't like to do rather, that someone else can do. And these are a little bit harder usually, but you got to delegate these things. You got to find someone else to carry those for you because you don't like to do them and somebody else can do it. There's probably someone on your team who needs to carry that burden, or there's a volunteer who needs to step up who would like to do that. And there may be some of those that, that no one likes to do really, but right. there's someone else who's willing to do it. And I always give the example here is, is there, there's a guy at our church right now at Freedom Church who comes in every Thursday and every Thursday he cleans the toilets. Mm. He doesn't like doing that either, but he's willing to do it and, and he's willing to take that burden on. And there's something in your communications role that is the equivalent of cleaning the toilets. Right. And you don't like doing it. And probably there's not going to be somebody else who just loves and has a passion for it but it needs to be done and they're willing to do it. And so you got to delegate those things. It's a little bit harder to give away, but you got to find that stuff. And then there's this box. There's this unbelievable, uh, you know, area right here that is the sweet zone. And that is only I can do it. And I like to do it. That's my sweet spot right now. For me, that would be preaching. Mm. I'm the best person to do that at freedom church. I'm the best person to cast that vision. And I love doing it. It's the easiest thing for me to do. So that's your sweet spot. But then over here, this is the stuff that I always say, you know, what, uh, what is it? Eat the elephant, you know, one bite at a time or eat the right. frog in the morning or whatever the saying is. So these things, I don't like to do them, but honestly, I'm the one who has to carry this load and I'm the best oh. one to do it. So you right. do this first. I mean, this okay. is the first thing. You put it on your calendar first. Just you're gonna get them out of the this, way. Yeah, you're going to get to this red zone over here. The things that only, you know, I can do and I like to do, you're going to do those, you know, you're going to do it. And, uh, um, you know, but the things I don't like to do, but only I can do schedule them first, put them first in your prior and knock them out. You know, if you're right now, if you're saying I'm just really behind um, on things, then I would say knock those out and, and get those things, you know, take a weekend and just knock out all those things you need to get out of the way that only you can do, but you don't like to do them and really, really knock them out so that you can get more to your zone. And so I did this. And part of this exercise for me meant going to leadership and saying, Hey, you know what? 
I really like still having my hand in student ministry, but I'm not the only one who can do that. And I'm not even the best person, I don't think. So I'd like to fully give that to Ernest Smith, who was our, mm-hmm. at that point, uh, underneath me is overseeing student ministry. And I had my hand in that world, and it didn't make any sense to, to really anybody. And when I was willing to give it away, everybody said, you know what, that makes a lot of sense. But I love doing it. Like, I love right. student. It made me feel young. It made me feel like I was still involved in that part of the ministry, uh, you sure. know, people. But there's probably something on your plate right now that you would go, you know what, honestly, I like doing it, but I could give that away, and oh, I need yeah. to give that away. I need to empower somebody. There's probably somebody who's underneath you right now who really is frustrated by the fact that you haven't empowered them because mm-hmm. they really want it, but you're hanging on to it because you like it. And so it's hard to do. It's hard to give away, but you need to do that. And uh, then you'll be able to get into that sweet zone where you're at. And then that quadrant that I showed that is, I don't like to do it and somebody else can do it. I'm going to tell you, that just takes good old fashioned work yeah how to work so what happens is that's the quadrant i don't like to do it and somebody else could do it and so i end up not doing it and Mm. and i end up dropping the ball in that area i end up really letting my team down because i wasn't i didn't help them find somebody to, to, to do that or i didn't get that off my plate but i don't like doing it so i don't i don't end up usually doing it that's the maybe your manager who you know you really don't like one-on-ones uh mm-hmm. with your people and you've been unwilling to delegate that down the stream just a little bit because you just didn't think anybody else wanted to do it or whatever you, you got to give that stuff away so that they can do it and uh, so it can be done it's the task. everybody's got that dwight in the office that, yeah, yeah. You know, he'll be glad to do your one-on-one. Oh, and absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, you end up empowering somebody and, and, and you actually end up maybe empowering someone to the level where you go, we pulled something out of them that we didn't know. Now they're doing stuff that they don't really like to do yet either. And, and, and that's, you know, nobody, I don't, nobody wants to admit this, but in every organization, every job, there's stuff that we don't like to do and that no one will ever like doing. Like that's just a part of the job. We're not going to ever like doing that. And so it's a great ground though. Eventually you're going to settle into some things that you don't like to do that only you can do. But as long as you can still give those away, that's, that's a great ground to train people up in. It's a great ground to, to, to give people experience in and, and to kind of, I'm a guy who believes in paying your dues. So I just think there's some things sometimes that you just need to pay your dues. You're the guy who gets to go and clean the toilets for a while. I mean, that's just, yeah. that's what you do to earn your stripes, you know, a little bit. And I always think back to just those stories because some of us just aren't natural born leaders. And some of us are in positions where the people above us just aren't giving us that room to make these kind of changes, but just to continue to challenge people that it's okay to still step out and go through a process like that. So that whether you get a chance to do it in your current role or that when you get a chance to go somewhere else and do that, you already have an understanding of what you're good at, what you're not good at and what you need to give away. So don't let your current situation keep you from growing as a leader, even if you're not necessarily having a full team to lead, but just growing those skills as leader to identify and be self-aware of what you're good at and what you're not good at. Well, I'll tell you what, some advice to those who maybe are sitting there right now. What you're thinking is, I wish my senior, my lead leader, my lead, lead pastor, the person who leads me would give me some of that stuff. What about a conversation that you could have with them that goes, hey, just one thing, one thing that you currently do to your leader leading up here, one thing you currently do that you don't really enjoy doing, give, give me something that you don't enjoy doing. And whatever it is, whether you like doing it or don't like doing it, take that, say, can I take that from you for a season? Could, could I do that? Can I make that, that, that happen for you for a season? And you become the person that people don't have to wait. If, if I have to check in or wait around on you, then I'm eventually uh, work around you. And right. so 
a lot of people find themselves, but just go and take that, get it done, then come back and go, hey, I got that taken care of from you, and so I'm going I'm to take care of that from you from now on, uh, and, and just I'll take that from you. Eventually, if he's, or he or she is a good leader, he's going to hand you some stuff that will be empowering to you and would be uh, something you really want to do. If they don't, they're a bad leader, and life's too short. Don't work for a bad leader. Like, I mean, leave. I mean, really. I mean, honestly, if you're sitting here and all you do is complain about your leader, there, there's, there's a problem, and the problem is with you. So mm-hmm. leave because you don't have the guts to go make something new on your own and get a new job and do a new thing. Life's way too short to work for somebody that's, that's a jerk. I don't know if we can yeah. say that on this. On this oh, yeah, absolutely. Say it. All right, so, so just do that. But, but most Justin works with me all the time. I mean, he, <laughs> I mean, most, but most leaders – are, they really do want to empower their people. They're just either overwhelmed. They don't think you'd want to do it. They think you're overwhelmed. So even if you're overwhelmed, go to them and say, what's one thing I can take? You do that long enough, they'll trust you. You'll get something done for them. They'll eventually give you something that is worthy of that trust that you've earned. But you've got to start with a conversation of, hey, what's something you don't enjoy doing? That you, If it was off your plate, man, it would free you up so much. And what can I do to serve you there? And I bet you get a lot of traction there. Well, that's just a healthy, healthy, healthy conversation for us to have for our community. And we really do hope that empowers some people that are listening because that's just, I mean, you can translate that to your job, to relationships, to friendships, you know, to marriage, to family, um, as far as understanding what you do well and what you don't. And um, that just speaks volumes. And hopefully that's refreshing to, to those that are listening. But Sean, thanks for um, sharing what you've learned in your leadership with our community. And that's really all we're trying to do is continue to grow that community. And we're th- thankful that you get to be a part of it. Absolutely. Thank you for guys for doing what you do and uh, for having me on. I appreciate it. I will always now wear the mantle of the very first lead pastor even when you get andy stanley on here one day right um, you know tell him the first the lead first john wood all right thanks again sean have a great day thank you, man. thank you thanks for listening to the show for more resources and collaboration with other church practitioners join our online community at thatchurch.community it's a place for the church communications community to share and collaborate online And when you join, you'll get access to tons of training resources, including videos from all of our conferences and workshops. Visit thatchurch.community today.